are in you and trusting you, Lord, that you have set us free and that we are free indeed. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to, to be scared of in the ways of torment, eternity, death, and any of those things. But Lord, we are free in you. And I thank you for that. And I pray that if there is anyone here, Lord, who is wondering, am I free? Am I in Christ? Lord, I pray that this morning they would find you and know you in a real way. And Lord, that we would be encouraged in our Christian walks with you as we sing and worship you. And, Lord, we just look to you as the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, I just pray that you would show us more of yourself this morning and fill us with your Holy Spirit as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can't sing this one sitting down, so everybody needs to stand up. <laughs> of peace and days of rest in times of loss and loneliness through rich or poor your word is true that all my ways are known to you no trial has come beyond your hand no step I walk beyond your plan. The path is dark outside my view. Still all my ways are known to you. And oh, what peace that I have found wherever I may be. Take my hand and lead me through, for all my days are known to you. I know what peace that I have found wherever I may be, for all my ways are known to you. Hallelujah, they are known to you. That you have made the ways for me Open up my eyes so I may see That you, my God, will walk with me And know what peace that I have found Wherever I may be
Is there any keyboard coming through? Because I'm not hearing anything.
kind of sang that one different than it was supposed to go, I guess. I hadn't caught that part. Anybody have a testimony this morning of anything that God has done in your life through this week? Steve. Amen, Steve. Yes. I was so blessed by our church and each one that, it, I mean, churches locally too, that just really pitched in over this last week. And mm-hmm. man, we we're so blessed to see so many helping out and mm-hmm. serving. Some never got a thank you, I'm sure. They were behind the scenes doing so much, but it was such a blessing yes. to us as a family, especially. Yeah. It'd be awful to stand here. It'd be awful to go through what we went through the last week if we didn't have that hope, right? Amen. It's because of that that, yes, we cry tears of sorrow for us. I think that's what we were crying for is our own pain of loss, but the joy of salvation, the joy of being in heaven and all of what eternity holds for us. And, um, I mean, just, I mean, can you imagine being there with the one that we have, um, I don't know. Yeah, being with Jesus for all eternity, I don't know. It's just going to be its going to be amazing. I don't think we're just going to sit there and worship at his feet the whole time, but I think there's just so much to be offered there in heaven of what um, being with the one that we've longed for and sought after. Can you imagine not seeing a friend for, I don't know, um, mom was 68, right? 68 years, and she became a Christian at, what, 30? Somewhere about? 25 or 26, so 50 some years, or about 50 years of longing to meet someone, and boy, that'd be a long time, and I can't wait for that day, that's going to be exciting. Mm, years are spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free, pardon there was multiplied to me. On liberty at Calvary. By God's word, at last my sin I learned. 
Then I tremble at the law I spur Till my guilty cold imploring turn to Calvary Mercy there was great and grace was free Given to Jesus everything. Now I gladly own Him as my King. Now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. On liberty at Calvary. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. was free, pardon there was multiplied to me, there my burden so found liberty at Calvary.
at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Well, might the sun in darkness shine and shut his glories in when Christ the mighty maker died for man the creature's sin at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away it was there by faith i received my sight and now i am happy all the day but drops of grief can never repay the debt of love i to you that's all that I can do at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away it was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day Yeah. 
Here is love that conquered evil, Christ the firstborn from the grave. Death has failed to be found equal to the life of him who saves in the darkness dawned his everlasting light perfect love in glorious radiance has repelled death's hellish night that same love beyond all measure mocked and slain by hateful men lives and reigns in resurrection and can never die again here is love for all the ages radiant sun of heaven stands calling home his father's children holding forth his wounded hand here is love best as a seated. Um, so this morning, uh, my dad and mom are here. If you hadn't noticed, this is my dad for all you that didn't know. Um, now his head's too big. Um, no. So, so mom, if you want to come up now, say again. Oh, really? Okay. I didn't get the hair gene though. Did you notice? Um, so I'm going to let them, they have a song to share this morning. I'm going to let them share. Mom, here. Oh. <laughs> and I want to say thank you, Carrie and Sarah and Brandon, for putting up with me. I don't even know what I was doing up here. 
We sang a lot together as a family, but then when things change, it's hard to figure out what goes where. Um, Sarah had to ask, or made, made a passing remark about Ma and I sharing or singing a song. And I said I wouldn't. And uh, this you could look at as a love song for anybody here in this room and a love song for Jesus. <clears throat> and uh, so I had to think about this song in the situation of the last couple weeks and my friend John. And uh, so, yeah. When Phil got up yesterday and he said, I hope I can get through this without tearing up, and I hope I can get through this without doing the same thing. <clears throat> can I just disconnect this thing and just play around the campfire? Mm, you ain't gonna, oh, you got some, I wanna hear you. Hello. Mm, do not neglect the rose that's in your garden. There stands a rose down in your garden. You left it there so all alone. It's been neglected. Feels unwanted and no love to it is shown. Beauty now is fastly fading. Once it was the brightest red, it's withering fast. Its head is bowing, and no kind word to it are said. Please don't neglect the rose in your garden. Show it your love every day, and it will prove to the sweetest flower that will never fade away. I guess by now you know my story. Don't neglect the love that's true was it may prove to be the sweetest flower that will ever bloom for you it could be a mother sister or brother a husband wife or little child or it could be the love for your Savior that you neglected all this while. Please don't neglect the rose 
Shows in your garden, show in your love every day, and he will prove to be the sweetest flower that will ever fade away. For Jesus is the rose in your garden. Show him your love every day, and he will prove to be the sweetest flower that will never fade away. Please don't neglect the rose in your garden. Show them your love every day. And they will prove to be the sweetest flowers that will never fade away. Morning. Thank you, Jim, for that. Carrie made the introduction of, and most of you have known already that that is Carrie's dad, the one we have to blame or thank, as the case may be. For, uh, but you know, I was I was uh, sitting here listening to you sing up there, Jim, and I was I was really blessed. Um, I know you know you mentioned. As singing as a family when the kids were younger, and I, as I understand it, there were times you kind of had to drag Carrie by his ear along to um, these uh, singings and that kind of thing. I, I, I kind of know the feeling as uh, initially when Carrie's put on the spot to lead out up there, he kind of had to be drugged by his ear up to there too. But, but I have seen the, the uh, one, one thing I've never. Uh, doubted about Carrie was uh, his uh, love and passion for, for good music, and, and I have no doubt that that was uh, passed down from his parents, and so uh, thank you for forcing him into music those years. Is that enough of embarrassing you now, Carrie? All right, but thank you so much, Jim. Uh, seeing that pass down from generation to generation, and now Brandon up there with you guys, that was such a blessing to to see that, and that that is a great uh, legacy to pass down. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for uh, participating with the Hershey family singers this morning once again. Um, thank you all for being here. Uh, welcome to each one of you visitors. It's uh, it's good to have you here today and to worship with us as we uh, lift up the Lord Jesus, and I believe that's our uh, I hope that's the goal of each one here this morning. Uh, I think we have a children's lesson. Amen. They have, uh, they, you said it well. It has been uh, beautiful music, even though uh, they, uh, 
might have not always felt it <laughs> to be uh, beautiful, but it's been a beautiful blessing. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, Ali, you have a children's lesson this morning? Christy does? All right. Well, kids, come on up here and uh, sit up here. We'll have a children's lesson for you, and then I'll have a few announcements uh, after that. Good morning, kids. Is anyone awake this morning? A little bit? Sort of, maybe? Kind of? <laughs> okay. Um, have any of you guys ever t had sheep at your house? No? Have you gotten to touch them and pet them before? Yeah? yeah? yeah. What do they feel like? Kind of fluffy? Kind of scratchy, maybe sometimes, right? Does anyone of the younger ones know what a sheep says? Let's see, your name is Micah, right? Do you know what a sheep says? Do you? Anybody else want to help him out? What, Caden? Yeah, that's right. Can all of you guys say the sheep sound? Good job. So what does it, what's a shepherd then? If the sheep, we know what sheep are. So what's a shepherd? Yeah, it's just like the person that takes care of the sheep. And like nowadays we don't see it as much. I used to have sheep. I was not a good shepherd. My sheep definitely did not follow me or know my voice or any of those beautiful things. <laughs> they kind of ran away a lot of the time. But the people that raise sheep, like even still in the desert, there's people that have tons of sheep, but they raise them all and they know them so well and the sheep follow them around. And when they are ready to take them to a good place to eat, the shepherd can just walk and the sheep all just go with him and they go where he needs and they know that he's going to protect them and take care of them. Let's just imagine it in our mind a little more. So everyone stand up. Pretend I'm the shepherd, okay? You guys are all the sheep, so let's hear your sheep. Bah, bah, bah. Okay, so if I go over here, come. <laughs> you guys are great sheep. Come this way. Okay, and then I pretend there's some nice water here, so I come over here. You guys all come drink some water right over here. See this beautiful, delicious water? Okay, and then we come back over here to our little sheepfold, and it's nighttime, so you all just sit down and quietly are safe, right? <laughs> okay, good job, good job. So do you know what the Bible says is our shepherd? Do you know that the Bible talks about us being like sheep? It's kind of funny, right? We don't normally say bah all the time, and that's not what the Bible's talking about, right? <laughs> but do you know why it talks about Jesus and God being our shepherd and us being his sheep? Should we see what one of those verses is like, what it says? The one that I was looking at in Isaiah that I love, it says, okay, don't push each other. Come on, sheep. Just put your legs together. Okay, this one says um, that it's talking about God, and it says that he will tend his flock. Do you know what a flock is? Yeah. Flock is what you call a bunch of sheep, so you guys are a flock, okay? It says God will tend his flock just like a shepherd. And then what? 
it says that he will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. So it's talking about God being like such a good shepherd that likes and loves his sheep so much. It says in other places that he knows each person. So he knows the names of each of you guys, right? He knows Lucas. He knows Benny, Denzel, Caden, all every single one of you guys. He knows you, right? And in John, it also says, my sheep hear my voice. How do we hear God's voice? Did you? How did you hear it? Yeah? Anyone have any ideas how we can hear God's voice? Praying. Praying? That's a very good one. How about reading his word, too? And listening to him, his little voice that speaks to us when we sometimes don't know what to do, sometimes we want to do the wrong thing, and he reminds us, that's not the right thing. Do this, right? Or when we're, maybe we're scared. Has anybody been scared before? I have. Definitely. Or sad? Or confused? All that stuff. When we're feeling that way, we can talk to him about it. Because he says we're like his sheep, and he's like our shepherd. He's a good shepherd. We don't have to wait till we're big for that, right? It's, he wasn't just talking to the adults out there. He wasn't just saying that maybe when you're big enough, maybe when you're big enough to understand, you know, bigger things, then maybe you'll hear my voice. He didn't say that. He's talking to all of us. And his sheep, which are us, everyone who believes in him, we know his voice, and he will never leave us. He is here for us. He is wanting to, like it says, he gathers up the lambs, like he picks us up in his arms, like our father or our mom. He picks us up and he carries us close to his heart. Okay, so we're going to go back to our seats, but can somebody tell me one thing about God being our shepherd that is really cool, that you like, that is special? That he knows all of us. That's a great one. Anyone else have one? Yeah? So when you think about sheep, when you see cute little sheep running around in the field or something, remember that we're like sheep and God is like our good shepherd. Okay, let's go back to our seats. Thank you, guys. Sorry. Thank you, Christy. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does that mean to you? Probably one of the first verses we've all learned. I think it was probably the first Bible memory passage we did with our kids. Right, Tiffany? Do you still know that? Still know that whole chapter? Not anymore? Sometimes when we learn verses like that, it's just, it can be in our heads more than in our hearts. What really does that mean to you? Yeah. 
be content. So. Well, is, is the Lord your shepherd, Dwayne? Do you have any wants in life? Do you have any other wants? <laughs> you got it. That's a good one. Bear, that's that's very good. And when when our uh, when our I guess the way to put it is when our when our wants outweigh our uh, love for the shepherd, or they become more important to us, then you're not experiencing the reality of Jesus being your shepherd, Jim. That is probably a better translation. <laughs> yeah. What else could you want if you have that in perspective? It's a very good perspective to keep. So thank you, Christy, for that uh, lesson for the kids. Once again, thank you all for, for being here this morning and for having this time of, of worship with us. Thank you, all of you church family visitors and everyone who have... Uh, walked with us and we've walked together through the last uh, week or two here and there have been so many uh, of you that have just uh, everybody has just stepped up and done what is needed to be done a lot of people sacrificed a lot um, behind the scenes I'm not going to call you guys out because I know you won't like it but uh, you know who you are and uh I believe the Lord will bless you all and bless you openly for your sacrifices to uh, the Ash family and to the body of Christ in the last week. Thank you so much. Um, we have a meal after the service. I believe we have plenty of food, so please stay and enjoy that time with us, fellowship with us. And uh, as for other announcements, I don't think we have a whole lot. There is our uh, the men's Bible Book study is uh, this coming Wednesday evening, January the 31st, and that looks like it's going to be at John's place. Thank you, John, for opening up your house for that. I believe that'll be a blessing. So, men, feel free to uh, come to that. If you want any more info on that, contact either Phil or John. I believe Phil's going to share the word with us this morning. Um, and as he comes, let's bow our heads for prayer and open our hearts to receive the truth of God's word this morning. Thank you, Father, for this time together. Thank you for everybody that's here, and I pray that we would all be here to hear from you and that we would open our hearts to your word, not simply to a man, to Phil talking, but to the word that you share through him, because it, it is your word. Your word is life. I pray that we would embrace that life this morning and seek to follow that life. Be with our brothers. He speaks and shares the life of the word. You would fill him with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I'll let Elise share me a little bit, and then we'll pray over them before they uh, 
Giving me the mic, I'm not sure if that's a good idea. I I kind of like the mic, and he likes me too. I mean, he likes me, you know what I'm saying? So, 20 minutes, we'll have 20 minutes? No, we are, um, for those that don't know, we had the opportunity. When we just got married, we moved to the Netherlands for two years. And then we came back to visit my in-laws in Windsor, and we're still visiting six years later. So, just be careful when you say you're going to visit somebody, okay? You might stay there for a few years. Um, and, you know, we've been hoping, wishing, and praying, um, just going back to the Netherlands to visit our friends. And it's happening now. So this coming Saturday, we're going to leave for five weeks. Hold it. Last time, we left for five months. So we're getting better at it, okay? Now it's five weeks only. Hopefully, next time, it's going to be five days and maybe five hours. I don't know. I cannot promise anything, but... So, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's you're, a lot of emotions. We're very happy, you know, to go visit our friends. We made really good friends from different countries. countries. You know, in Europe, they're all together, right? And, and it's a mix of people from different countries. So we have friends from Greece, from um, Pakistan, the Netherlands, of course, from Portugal in different places. So it's, it's quite interesting to, to be over there. So... Yeah, we, we are very happy, um, excited, and nervous to travel with five suitcases, five backpacks, and a stroller, and a bunch of different things. So thank you, six, <laughs> six backpacks. I mean, I'm one of them. Um, so please do pray for us whenever you think of us. We're going to be gone for five weeks, and then, yeah, they, we'll come back. Um, and my sister is coming, too, so that's just, you know, a huge, huge blessing. So, yeah, I mean, please, yeah. Let's pray over them. Jessica, is, is she going to come on up? I think she's in the Okay. Room. All right, let's gather around and pray for them. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning, Lord, so thankful that you have called and what you have called Aliyah and Christy to, and, Lord, the ministry that they will be doing. And, Lord, I just pray that you would protect them and keep them. And, Lord, that... Um, the babies would behave and uh, not cry the whole flight if possible and give them patience, Lord, and uh, grace as they deal with that. And um, Lord, that they would just be able to be a light wherever they go, whether it's on an airplane or talking to people or ministering and with other believers, that they would be encouraging and a blessing to others that they meet. Lord, I just pray that um, you would give them words to speak. Um, Any language barriers would be overcome. And, Lord, that um, your word and your light would shine forth yes, as only you can show it. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for Christian and Lee, Lord, and what they mean to us, Lord, and mm-hmm. their faithfulness. And, Lord, we just love them so much. And we pray you would use them, Lord, when you go to the Netherlands, Amen, Lord, Lord. To, to bring Jesus there, Lord, and yes. their lives, Lord, would just reflect Jesus. And we thank you for them pray this in Jesus name dear Jesus we just thank you so much for Ellie and Christy and Annika and little Rio and Denzel and just thank you for bringing them into our lives father at just the perfect time and how they have shared and showed the love of Jesus with us and just We just can't thank you enough for them. And God, I pray that you would go before them, beside them, behind them, God, and 
just give them grace for every step of the journey as they go. I pray, God, for peace for the children and just a joy and a contentment. And, Father, that you would just fill each one of their hearts with your spirit and your joy and your peace. Oh, God, I know that they will be a light, and I know that they will share your love, and I just thank you. I pray, God, that as they go, you would just multiply that love. God, as they meet more people and more friends, that they would just know your love even more in a more real way as they experience the love of the body. Thank you so much for them, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for Ali and Christy and their family, for their willingness and their desire to serve you wherever they go, whatever they do with their lives. And I pray, Father, that as they travel, that you would protect them and that this would be a fulfillment of your great commission to yes, carry the gospel do. into the, yes. into all the world. I pray that you would uh, do that through them uh, in Europe and, and the places that uh, their friends are from, that through their friendship with, with these people, that your love would be shown to them and, and through them to the rest of the world. And I thank you that you can, you can do that, and you will do that, Father, because of obedience of your servants. So I pray that you would bless them as they go and just fill them with peace and strength to follow you and, and your plan for their lives. Pray in Jesus' name. Father, I just want to uh, thank you again for your love and for your goodness to us. And Lord, we thank you for Ali and Christy, their testimony, their blessing yes. that they have been Amen. to our fellowship here, Father, and the encouragement and that they've brought to each of us and their friendship and their love. Lord, I just pray you be with them as they plan to uh, travel uh, across the sea, the many, many miles. Lord, I just pray you grant them health and strength and um, yes, just go amen. before them, Father. Yes. And just we all know that you're not only here and you're a, a universal God. Yes. So I just pray that the, you... Bless them as they meet friends and make new contact or whatever. Lord, I just pray that they can be a blessing to those over there as well, Father. Just be with the children and uh, as well, Lord, just grant them peace and uh, a calmness in their soul. And Lord, I just pray that you uh, be with them, bring them home safely. In Jesus' name. Amen, Lord. I just want to thank you with my brothers and sisters and together, Lord Jesus, we lift them up before you and we pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Oh, Father, you told us to pray, Lord Jesus, that, that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into the fields that are white and ready to harvest. And you know those lives, Lord, that they will touch those lives. They will sit beside those lives, Lord. They will fellowship with and they will walk by. And Father, I thank you that you, Lord Jesus, have already called them and commissioned them with the gospel. And they've been faithful, Lord Jesus. And now you're leading them into this five-week, Lord Jesus, journey of encouraging the saints 
And Father, we go with them. I pray that you would use this to build your church and to connect us with the worldwide body of Christ. And that they are not just going alone, but Lord Jesus, they are going with you and with us. And I pray, Lord, you would connect us in a stronger way to the body of Christ across the world through their fellowship with the saints and with the believers and what you're doing in their lives and in our lives together, that you would be glorified and spread the gospel. Let souls be converted and saints connected and encouraged. And, and Father, I pray that the devil's head would be crushed under your feet, Lord Jesus, as you walk through them throughout their travels. Bless them, I pray, and we thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I just I just want to share really quick a testimony with you all. Um, if you ever pray for somebody, like I'm going to cry now. Ah, so last night, you know, I was having dinner with my family, and I got a call, I got a phone call. And it's a friend of mine that I, we, went to, um, we went to junior high and high school together, 20-plus years. Goodness, that sounds, that sounds like a long time. So he called me, and he's like, hey, Lee, how are you doing, bro? And then he starts crying. So I'm like, oh, no, what happened? You know, something is wrong. And then he's like, I just want to tell you that Jesus is my Savior. Hallelujah. I know. Amen. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so I'm crying with him too, of course, right? And, and then he starts sharing. Yeah, he's just, he's so real and and. You know, I've been so I've been so challenged by his spirit, and and there is I know there is sin in my life. And he started to you know to just express himself about what God is doing in his heart and his life. And he's like, and I want to thank you, you know, for for all your prayers. And I'm like, bro, I I mean I pray for you many years ago. I don't I mean you know we don't we don't keep in touch like a lot anymore, but still you know I mean I did pray for him at some point in my life I guess. And I don't know if that sounds bad or not, but. I just want to say that was a huge blessing. I, I even say that's a prayer that I forgot, but God is still answering. You know, that this, this friend will just get to know him and get to be transformed by him. So that being said, I just want to, want to encourage you and challenge you. Do you have any friends or families or do you know somebody? Keep praying. God, even if you forget about that prayer, God doesn't forget, which is amazing. So anyways, I just, you know... Since yesterday, I've been so happy about, you know, this, this good news that he shared with me. So anyways, just, just had to share it with you all. Thank you. Love you guys. So is my darling among the maidens. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the men. In his shade I take great delight and sat down and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He has brought me to his banquet hall and his banner over me is love. You know what the banner is? It's a flag. When someone raises the flag, it is a sign of victory. 
He raised his flag saying, this is my love over your life. Have you experienced that? He's offering it to you this morning. You may turn your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 1. There has been a word that has been brewing in my heart. And oh my, am I ever glad that the Lord has saved it for now because it's not like it would have been a few weeks ago. I was going to share this word a few weeks ago and I just got derailed and went down rabbit trails in my heart. They felt like rabbit trails. But last night the Lord said none of those were rabbit trails. Sometimes I detour you because there's a construction site in your heart that is unfinished. And it didn't open up until this weekend. In a way that I could share it in a more life-giving, life-meaning, life-impacting way that will transform our lives. You know, sometimes when the Lord does a construction site, He makes a highway for the saints to walk on. And sometimes there's the road in our life is a bit rough and the Lord has to put a, a detour there and then work on our hearts and our minds and repave that road and make it a highway for others to walk towards Christ in an easier way. And this word, like so often the Lord does to me, He takes His word like coffee grounds and He puts it into the percolator of my thoughts and my heart and He just percolates it there until it drips slowly, slowly, slowly into my life and it becomes a sweet aroma and it fills the house. And then He serves it out for others to drink. To give you energy that isn't caffeine. It's the life of the Holy Ghost. Empowering you, not with a short burst of energy, but with the power, the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ that is everlasting. He does an everlasting thing, a thing of eternity in our hearts, in your heart. A word that is eternal that will be there in the judgment day, the day you take your last breath, that will usher you into His presence and will come right back at you. Jesus Himself will repeat it back to you when you stand before His throne of grace and say, that was my word of grace that brought you safely here. That's this word. Oh, Father, as I share this word, I can't do it, but you can do exactly what you want to do. This word of faith which we preach, this word of faith which I speak, Lord, this morning, unless you speak it into the hearts of these dear people, an eternal life-giving word, it will be empty and void. But I pray, Lord Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would speak it way more than what comes out of my mouth and manifold it, just spread it abroad into their hearts and into their lives and let it be like a tree that brings forth 
the fruit of the Holy Spirit in all of our lives together, a fruitful vine in your garden. In Jesus Christ's name. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. There we go. So many times we pray prayers. The Holy Spirit prays them through us for each other, for something, and we say it in like two minutes. But it is an eternal prayer. The Holy Spirit pours it into a vial in heaven, and as he tells us in Revelation, at the appointed time, the Holy Spirit takes that vial and he pours it grace into the heart of the soul we prayed for. And it brings forth life. He pours out the water of life into a soul that is in a desert, in a wilderness, and is drying up and is parched. And it brings forth new life. No wonder the scripture tells us in Colossians chapter 4, later in the book, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. Not empty prayers. Not as Jesus said, meaningless repetition. But just a simple word of faith. Oh, the Lord so often reminds me in my prayer time when I'm crying out to Him that my five-minute prayer, words of faith, can bring the fire of God out of heaven and burn up the sacrifice, and not only the sacrifice, but the altar in which the sacrifice was laid. And not only the altar, but He licks up the stones. It burns up stones. And not only that, because someone had poured a lot of water around it, it consumes and licks up the water, and then it leaves a big hole in the ground because it burns up the dirt. And everyone who sees it says, that God will be my God from now on. But the prophets of Baal, they danced around and called on God for six hours from nine in the morning until three in the afternoon. And finally Elijah began to mock him and say, maybe he's sleeping. You better get a little louder. Maybe your God went on a journey and he takes some time to come back. So you do it a little longer. But no fire ever came. They got so desperate, they began to sacrifice themselves with knives, cutting themselves until blood was gushing from them. Is that your prayer life? Of self-sacrifice? Hoping to get God's pity or attention? Or do you have those words of faith that Elijah, if you read his prayer, was less than five minutes long? And the fire of God flowed because he prayed in faith. And James 5 tells us, Elijah was a man just like me, just like you. He was a human person just like all of us. But the prayer of his faith, God answered. And so he tells us, now you, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous Man availeth much. It can bring the fire of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit into a person's heart, into their souls, and light them up. 
and burn the dross out of their life and let them become a light of the gospel, a light unto the world and a source of heat and contagious because fire is contagious. Any other little stick you hold into it lights up. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life right now, today. Jesus is not going to quench a smoking flax. That's what he tells us. In Isaiah, a smoking, smoldering flax. That is, the flame has gone out and it's only smoking. He will not quench, but he will bring it forth to life. And that wonderful prophecy of John the Baptist when he said, He, there is one coming after me. I only baptize you with water, but he, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And that's exactly what happened. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came in like a roaring mighty wind. Do you understand what happened that day? They were there praying in obedience to Jesus. And all of a sudden, right here in this room, there'd be a wind gushing through here with a roar. And cloven tongues of fire on the every head. Not just Peter's, every head. And they all began to speak the wonderful words of God. Words of life. Don't take lightly, dear child of God, the silent prompting of the Holy Spirit to pray for someone. As Eli shared, I had that wonderful experience this past few days of a brother coming up to me and saying, I don't know what's going on, Phil, but for the last three months, I've just been wanting to call you. I've been wanting to call you, but I didn't have the courage. And I looked at him and I began to weep because for the last three months, the Lord woke me up in the night seasons with this deep burden of prayer for this man, weeping and praying for him and his family. But I didn't think God was going to answer like this. Since we heard of your faith, verse 4, in Christ Jesus. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Not in your heart, not in a man, not in a system, not in your doctrine, not in a church denomination, not on your job, not in your wife, not in your husband, not in any good work you've done, not in anything you are or ever can do or have done. In Christ Jesus and only Him. Your faith in Christ alone. And the result of that is and the love which you have for all the saints not just the little meeting place of saints that you gather with on a weekly basis or twice a week or... No. For all the saints in all the world, 
He, that kind of faith in Christ will give you a love that will spread abroad to every saint you meet throughout the world and saints you hear about who've lived in the 1400s or who've lived in 1920s or who've lived all the way from Pentecost until now. In fact, the saints who lived before that. Enoch, who walked with God and was not because he walked with God. It will give you a love for that man. It will give you a love for the prophets and the words that they spoke, words of life. And your faith will increase as your love increases to all of God's family. The two great derailments of our Christian life is that our faith becomes distracted from Christ and begins to be put into a man who speaks Christ to us. And that is something the devil is a sly, sneaky master, skilled master of. If he can take your faith and just take it slightly to a person who speaks Christ in an eloquent way, and now your faith begins to get anchored into that person's life, his lifestyle, his message, his way of speaking of Christ, or the the fruit of his life, his family, his workplaces, whatever that you admire of that man, and you begin to put your faith in him, guess what? Your faith will disappoint you one day. And that disappointment will lead to a disillusionment, and you're going to lose Christ. The hope of glory in your life. You're going to be led astray from that pure Simple devotion to Jesus Christ. Like Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 11, Oh, I'm so afraid for you, lest Satan has bewitched you or be led you astray from the simple, pure devotion to Christ. And your love will grow cold. It will become a club your love will become limited to those whom you think have the perfect doctrine, the wonderful lifestyle, the best teacher, or the best parts of truth that you want to cling to. It will limit your love for the saints. Don't be fooled. Satan is deceiving many, many Christians in this way. I have found in my own life's journey that the Lord brings me again and again into a full circle. Bringing me back again to this simple, pure devotion only to Jesus Christ. And it comes from the truth of His Word. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all, all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. I tell you, when your faith begins, it starts finding its anchor in a man or your own heart or your own wisdom or in your own lifestyle denomination. Your love begins to grow limited and cold towards the larger body of Christ. 
but something more tragic happens. You become discouraged. And you know who you become discouraged with? The body of Christ. That's who you become discouraged with. And you begin to lose the hope of heaven that is set before you. That hope that is an anchor that is anchored in Christ who, as Hebrews says, lies within the veil. He lies there. And He's rent the veil. And He's there making an accession for all the saints. And He is the propitiation not only for you, but for all the world. You begin to lose that hope. And your Christian life begins to be... The heartbeat of your faith looks like the heartbeat of your flesh on a screen. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you have previously heard in the word, in the word of truth, the gospel, the gospel message becomes one of many messages in your heart. And you know what happens when your email inbox begins to get too full? What happens? You delete it all, yep, you get overwhelmed, but before that, before you even know it's full, it dumps it into the trash. That's what he does. It begins to just automatically dump it into the trash. And that's what the message of the gospel begins to do in your life. It becomes one message of many messages in your heart. And you lose the real, simple message of the power of Jesus Christ that God, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in Him should be saved. And your message becomes complicated and detailed instead of pure and simple. Your faith becomes an expression of many, many words instead of the power of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, through the Holy Spirit, was begging the church at Corinth who was full of wise men and philosophers and education, highly educated people. The Greeks were, especially the church at Corinth. And Paul says this to them, Verse, two, verse 1 of chapter 2, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superior, superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. I didn't come that way. For I determined to know nothing except Christ, nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What? Is the power of the cross doing in your life today? What is it putting to death? In Galatians chapter 5, Paul says, I will glory, boast in nothing except the cross of Christ, the cross which crucifies me to the world and then the world to me. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Man, 
if our fellowship would be contained, would be expressed in those three things. Each other's weakness and fear. And that word fear is not the word scared. That word fear is a sense of awe. The awe of God. If our fellowship was one of knowing my own weakness, I would never boast in anything God has accomplished in me or is doing through me. That's what he says. So that no man should boast before God. Verse 29 of chapter 1. Just back up a little. So that no man should boast before God. What an amazing sainthood of God's people. Fellowship of God's people where no one boasts. Never. There's not a boastful word heard. Because we are together knowing our own weakness. Here to build each other up. When you see each other's weakness, we pray, we go to build it up. We go to lay more logs on the fire to poke the fire and cause it to flame up instead of tearing each other down. Because whenever I'm tempted to tear someone down, it's always only for one reason, so that I am esteemed a little higher than you. Have you ever noticed? When someone begins a conversation by criticism, he ends it by elevating themselves. Always. He ends it up in boasting. Criticism always ends up with boasting. Paul says, that's how I was among you. I was there in weakness, in a sense of all of what Christ, who Christ is. Christ crucified among me in my own life and in much trembling. It brought this kind of carefulness. That word trembling isn't like you know, just physically shaking. It's this sense of carefulness. The King James uses the word circumspectly, walking carefully. Oh, that word often rings in my heart, that old hymn we used to sing. Christian, walk carefully. Christian, walk carefully. Christian, walk carefully. Jesus is here. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. You and I will never convert a soul through eloquent, persuasive words, outsmarting him, outdebating them, making them look like a fool because they don't know how to express themselves. That's why I have no taste for Christian debates. None. I have never seen it profit me or anyone else. It cannot convert a soul. It is for the wise men of this world and the philosophers, philosophical people of this world. It belongs in our colleges, not in the church. The church is where the power of God is to be experienced that is beyond words and often without persuasive words. Look what he says. But in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith, my faith, should not rest on the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Where does your faith rest in? It will rest in something all of us 
have faith. All of us have a hope in something or for something. All of us love something. It is inherently in us. God created us to believe someone, something. God created us to love someone, something. God created us to be affectionately connected to someone or something. We will. Where is your faith anchored to? And how vast is your love? Examine yourself today, whether you're in the faith of Christ and the love for all saints. And let the Lord change the direction of your faith, meaning pull up anchor. Now whenever you're out to sea and your anchor pulls up, you're moving. You're not going to stay in the same place. This was vividly illustrated to me again when we were in Haiti. We went out. Jason, one of the guys we were staying with, said he wants to take us out snorkeling because he goes out there and he, he snorkels out in, this, in the waters and he, and he finds um, lobsters. Right, Michael? Michael hung tight with him and watched him grab lobsters and we ate lobsters for dinner that night. Delicious. This is how they eat. Huh? Lunch. Okay, we ate it for lunch. Well, my snorkels weren't working so well. I had never snorkeled before. I felt like I was going to die out there and I didn't have any flaps on my feet. And they said, don't put your feet down because there's a lot of sharp things underneath there that can cut your feet open. So I decided after a little few tries, I'm going back to the boat because I felt like I was drowning. So I stayed in the boat. And as the boat sat there, it was a pretty calm day, but once in a while, all of a sudden, it would crash. A wave would crash over the boat. And I began to get sick, incredibly sick. And I remember hanging on to the boats, and I was down in the boat, just kind of hanging on to the side of it. And all of a sudden, the wave just boom! And I thought the boat and myself and everything was going to go upside down. And nearly did. But as I, as it went on by me, I looked and the anchor was still hanging on as he had anchored that boat. And it didn't matter for, they were out there maybe half an hour, that boat didn't lose itself. It stayed within that area. But when that anchor pulls up, you're moving. And that's what the Lord Jesus is about to do to every one of our lives. He does it periodically to keep us on the move. He pulls up our anchor whenever he sees us cast our anchor into someone or something earthly. And he causes something to happen where that anchor loses its grip. And you feel like all you're going to get lost at sea. But Jesus, when he's in it, if you allow him to take that anchor and put it into him, into his word, and into his, the body of Christ, you will find Jesus there. Fellowship with Jesus will be the result of that anchor being pulled up and you're moving. I've illustrated this a bit like this. 
As I was pondering this this morning and praying over it, the Lord gave me this little illustration. See if everybody can see it. Now, you're going to notice that this is written a bit differently than what our clocks, our Roman clocks look like. This is how the Hebrew day went. The Hebrew day, they had a first hour of the day which began at 6 o'clock in the morning until 9, and from 9 to 12 was considered the second watch of the day. At 12 noon was considered, to the 4 o'clock was considered the third watch of the day, and from 3 o'clock to 6, the fourth watch. That's how they spoke of it. If you read through when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified the third hour of the day, noon. And so that's why I marked it like this. So often our Christian life, our faith in Christ has this rotation in our life. It is like, as Proverbs 4 says, the path of the just is as the sun rising brighter and brighter until the full day. Until the day is full, completed. And so if your faith is in Christ, it will lead you to a love for all the saints. It will enlarge your heart. It will give you the hope of heaven. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most. Is that your life? If it is, change your hope destination. Hope in heaven will encourage you in the face of death. Nothing else will. It will never disappoint you because it's always your destination. No matter what happens in life, that is the end of my day. Hope in heaven, being in the presence of Jesus. That's why Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. In this world you will have a lot of trouble, but believe in me. I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. That hope in heaven leads to a fruitful life. The righteous person in Psalm 1, David begins this way, is like a tree planted by the rivers of water which brings forth its fruit in its season. Isaiah 55 says, And you shall be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. Jesus said in John chapter 15, I am the vine, you're the branches. Unless you abide in me and I in you, you can do nothing. But if you abide in me and I in you, you will bring forth much fruits. You will have a fruitful life, a full life of bringing forth fruit for others. The fruit is not for yourself. The fruit is so others can pass by your tree and pluck your fruits and taste its deliciousness, and be nourished from your faith, from your hope, from your love. Be encouraged. Fruitfulness is for others. And it all comes right back and begins to increase your faith more. If you allow Jesus to take you through the four watches of the day, and this is your life every day, you begin with your faith in Christ when you wake up, the first hour of the day, He wakes you up and increases your faith. That day, the first thing you do is say hey to someone. 
you meet your husband, wife, children, or if you live alone, you're going to meet your neighbor or you're going, to, you're going to meet your co-worker. The first opportunity you do is from that faith in Christ, the love of Christ is shed abroad, loving others. That love, as you love others, continues to spring forth into this living hope. It's like an artesian well that rivers of living water will flow out of your innermost being. It will increase you and encourage you. I tell you, you know it's so. If you love others, you yourself are filled with hope. It fills you with joy. It gives you spiritual energy when you encourage someone else. You want to be encouraged? Be an encourager. As the scripture says, he that hath friends must show himself friendly. You want to have friends? You want to be encouraged? Show the love of Christ to the world. And that comes back to bringing, bearing forth more fruit. What is the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5? Someone tell me. Love, joy, peace. Oh, wait. Long-suffering. Do you have to suffer with yourself or with others? Long, okay, both. That's true. But typically, long-suffering is you're suffering on someone else's behalf. You're waiting for them a long time. And it produces a suffering in you. You have to suffer with them. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, patience, faith, meekness. Against such, there's no law. You can have as much as you want, whenever you want. God holds nothing back. Is that what your four watches of your day look like, my dear brother or sister? That's the life Jesus is inviting every one of us into. That fruitful life. But if your faith is anchored in a man, in your husband or your wife, you'll be disappointed that day. If your faith is anchored in a preacher, you'll be disappointed that Sunday. If your faith is anchored in your government, you'll be disappointed that election. If your faith is anchored in anything earthly, Jesus will make sure to pull up that anchor. Because Paul said in Galatians 1, he said, if I become, if I become a servant to men, I cannot be the bondservant of Christ. Jesus said, how can you believe because you're seeking the honor of men. In fact, Jeremiah gives us the strongest warning. Jeremiah 17, concerning our faith. I often tell our sons, don't trust me. One of the biggest mistakes parents can make, and we should change as a Christian, should never leave our mouth. The world says it all the time, but the world's faith is in men and they're always disillusioned with each other. The Christian tongue should never say, trust me. When someone says, trust me, I say, no. God forbids me to do that. I don't trust you. I don't trust my wife. I don't trust our sons. I don't trust any one of you. You should never trust me. You shouldn't be trusting a word I say to you right now. If you are, you're too gullible. You'll be deceived. You should only trust these words. And if you only let me speak these words to you, you will be deceived. Because I'm not trustworthy. I might misquote it. 
I might take it out of context, maybe not intentionally, but it won't be in context in your life. But if you are a Berean, as Paul said, they were more noble. For when Paul preached to them, they searched the Scriptures to see if those things were true, if they were so. Then the Holy Spirit will take the written word and make it a living word in your heart. A word where the word becomes flesh. And you'll behold the Son of God, the glory of Christ in you. John chapter 1. So don't ever trust a person. People have a big disillusion. There's one of the biggest disillusions in a Christian faith is this. You must trust someone to love them. The biggest disillusion and lie that Satan brings in so many marriages and this is why there is so much divorce in the church. I'm sure of it. Because we are taught to love my wife, I must be able to trust her. For her to truly love me and love me and live with me in a full, fruitful way, she must be able to trust me. Lie. Not true. Show it to me in the Word. One verse. You won't find it. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, Husbands, trust your wives. Nowhere in the Scriptures does it say, Wives, trust your husbands. Can you find me the verse if I'm wrong? Don't trust me. You go look for it. And if I'm wrong, I'll repent. But I haven't found it. You know what it says? Husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ loves the church. Does Christ trust me? Where does it say that Christ trusts me? He doesn't. He loves me. Unconditionally. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband's as the church unto Christ. Not trust Him. Love is not a result of trust in a person. Love builds confidence. Yes. It builds a world of security. Love casts out all insecurity. 1 John 4. Love casts out all fear. Perfect love has no fear. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. That's the Scriptures. You read it. You look it up. That word is insecurity. It brings a deep security in our relationship with each other, but not trust. I trust God for her love and her submission. And when I struggle in that area, well, I think she's not submitting to me like she should, I don't come to her. I come to him. And I call upon his name for him to change her heart and for him to change my heart because maybe I'm asking her to have a confidence where he doesn't want any confidence, where he wants to change me. See how that changes? Our relationship. The scriptures in 1 Peter chapter 3 tells you, dear ladies, and us husbands, in verse 7, likewise you husbands, but he says to the women, to be like Sarah of old, who trusted Abraham and did as she was told. You read it yourself. Is that how it reads? Oh good, some of you know your Bibles. 
you would have just been led astray if you would have believed me. See, that's what's happening to so many of God's dear children. Preachers say it strongly and emphasize it strongly over and over and over again, and you believe Him! You believe us! Because we're preaching from the Word of God. That's not how it reads. You'll be surprised when you start reading your Bible, God's Word to you on your knees, crying out for truth. There's a wonderful promise in 2 Thessalonians where he says, and a strong warning, God has given them over to believe a lie because they did not love the truth. In every warning that God gives us, there's a promise if you go backwards with the warning. When I love the truth, God will never allow me to be deceived because I will seek for it and find it. My anchor will be in Him. Jeremiah 17 says this, verse 5, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind. You know what that curse is? Here's what it looks like in your life and in mine. Who makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in the stony waste in the wilderness a land of salt without inhabitants. Beware of Lot's wife. That's what Jesus said. Remember Lot's wife. Putting your trust in a person, in any flesh or human man or woman, will turn you, your Christian life, into a pillar of salt. Blessed, verse 7, is the man who trusts in the Lord. And whose trust is the Lord. Whose trust is the Lord. He will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought. You want to deal with anxiety in your heart? There's only one way. Trust in the Lord. That's it. Very that simple. Trust in the Lord will take care of all anxiety. Every time. He will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green, will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor cease to yield fruits. What? It's a drought. You're out there living all by yourself. Well, you don't hardly have any fellowship. God has put you in a place where He's led you out from maybe a church denomination and and you feel like you're just a butterfly just kind of hopping around and you don't feel like you have a real church home. Well, trust in the Lord. If He's leading you and you're being led by the Spirit, that can be the most fruitful time in your life because you're not trusting in man, but in the Lord with undistracted devotion. That's my testimony. I remember so well when the Lord led me out of my, the church where I was brought up in. And for about a year, I thought I was a sailor lost at sea. 
I didn't know where to put my anchor. I was crying out to God. I remember coming to my pastor who, who baptized me, who officiated our marriage, whom I had a lot of confidence in. I remember saying to him, this dear, precious brother, I remember saying, Abner, I feel like everything you ever taught me is being just crumbling around me. I don't know what to believe anymore. And he shocked me. He said to me, Well, so do I. So do I, Bill. I remember looking at him and thinking, There's no hope for me. What the world shall I believe? If the pastor that has shepherded my soul is saying he doesn't know what he believes anymore. Then he said these wonderful words. Let's go to the Word of God together. And he did. And the Lord brought another brother into my life who kept saying these words over and over and over to me again and again. Solo scriptoria, Phil. Solo scriptoria. It's what our dear brother who was a Catholic priest, Martin Luther, said over and over and over again when he was debated and, and bombarded and persecuted, he would say these words, solo scriptoria means only scripture. Only scripture. That's it. That's my life. That's what Jesus meant when he said, my words are life indeed. My words are life. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. Proverbs 28, verse 26, I think it says, He that trusts in his own heart is a fool. You're a fool if you trust in your own heart. There are many days in my life that I wake up feeling all kinds of stupid things. I might feel depressed. I might feel happy. There are nights I have, you know, dreams that make no sense at all and let, wake me up in the middle of the night and I think, what was that? Things that happen in our life cause emotions. This becomes the guide of our words our faith and we begin to speak words of life not words of emotion and it'll wash us and cleanse us the water of the word washes our souls cleanses our minds transforms our life by the renewing of my mind some of you have read this book <clears throat> I highly recommend it don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. He wrote this book many years ago. I'm just going to read a short excerpt from it. A life devoted to making much of Christ is costly. And the cost is both consequence and a means of making much of Him. If we do not embrace the path of joy-laden, painful love, we will waste our lives. 
If we do not learn with Paul the Christ-exalting paradoxes of life, we will squander our days pursuing bubbles that burst. He lived as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having none, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. Speaking of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. The Calvary road is costly, yet possessing everything. When we embrace with joy the cost of following Christ, His worth will shine in the world. The cost itself will become a means of making Christ great again. Forget about making America great again. How about making Christ great again? Huh? One lonely amen? Wow. Gotcha. Maybe you're forever trumpeters. I am a forever one great trumpet day. And I hope you're there on that journey with me instead of wasting your life in earthly politics. Because you know what? You will be disappointed over and over and over again until you're so disillusioned and so anchored, your faith is so anchored in these earthly governments that your faith in Christ will wane like a smoking flax. And the Holy Spirit comes along and Jesus comes along in your life. You'll feel like a whirlwind, but it's his breath bringing you back to life. Dear Lord Jesus, here it is. Here you are. Thank you. Thank you, Phil, for sharing the word this morning. And once again, thank you all for being here. And as announced earlier, we do have a meal that will be served shortly. So please stay and enjoy that time of fellowship. That will conclude this part of our service. So if you can, please stand and we'll have a closing prayer and uh, ask a blessing on the new meal. Father, we come to you this morning and thank you for the privilege of being here to worship you and to hear from you this morning. I thank you for your word. I pray that your word would bring a deeper and a greater life in each one of our hearts this week. I pray that you would bless our time of fellowship and the food that's been provided. Just ask your blessing on it in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>